Stay woke, but don't stop living the dream. Five seemingly healthy bulls were found dead within days of each other, and they were drained of their blood. Next thing you know, like, lights started flickering on in it, like two or three times. And I thought I was just seeing some things, but, you know, well, when it might be five minutes later, it done it again. So I went and got my dad, got a gun, took a little walk down there, went inside, and I was in there. going to be talking about the strange uh, paranormal and unexplained so we're going to go ahead and turn them loose and listen to what they have to say hi alicia hey greg how you been i'm fine good, um, good. thanks for the invitation um, i've been looking forward to it and uh i hope we can uh, have a nice discussion and and uh maybe uh, influence some people maybe to get involved in uh, paranormal because it's a it's a really cool uh, adventure for people to get into absolutely hopefully we can inspire some people <laughs> yeah yeah maybe uh answer some questions a few people may have um who knows who knows who where knows? it might go <laughs> that's that's the, that's what got us interested um you know, we, when, we, when we started in 2005, it was me and my two brothers, Robert and Kenny. Um, we decided just, you know, it was the time whenever the TV show was getting on, you know, just getting started. And um, we were, you know, we were thrilled about it. And a couple of us had had personal experiences in the past. And we just decided, uh, what the heck, let's just go out to a cemetery. My, my brother, Robert, had a recorder already had a recorder so we just decided to go out to a cemetery just for kicks just to see what what happened you know but the first uh two or three times we did it we didn't record any evidence we didn't 
it, but but it was thrilling. It was exciting. Plus, it was kind of a bonding time for us. And right. Yeah. It was of course. Good time. Yeah, it's kind of an adrenaline rush, isn't it? It is. Yeah. It really is. So uh, once we got kind of started doing this, uh, a, uh, a co-worker at the time, I was telling him about it, Shannon Ping told him about what we were doing, and and he was intrigued and said, well, the next time you go out, I'd like to go with you. So he, he came along on our next um, cemetery uh, <laughs> yeah. investigation. And uh, uh, so, you know, at that point, he decided, you know, I'm in whatever you guys want to do, include me. So that's kind of how it all started. And eventually we came up with the name, who's your paranormal and, and, uh, started, uh, going on other investigations. People would start, uh, emailing us, uh, wanting us to come to their homes and investigate. And we would go to these special places like, uh, like the Crump theater and, oh, yeah. uh, story. Yes. Uh-huh. And yeah. we, we added members, and then that's how we met you. Right. So it's uh, we had a really good time doing it. Like I said, we did it for seven or eight years and got a lot of investigations under our belt. And we had a few um, exciting things that happened that, uh, you know, we can talk about. I don't, I don't know how many investigations you went along because you kind of came in, like, later toward the end of it. Yeah, definitely. Um, I do remember uh, Rosewood, I believe it was. The Inn? The Bed and Breakfast? The the Story Inn? or No, um, it was a, a residential place, and it had a, a rose room. Oh, right. The rose room. Right. And, yeah, no, that was my first investigation that I came yeah. in with you guys. Mm-hmm. I remember that. Yeah. That was in Edinburgh. Yes, yes. Yeah, it was definitely uh, a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. But uh, a couple of things, you know, we can talk. I don't know how uh, active you've been since we kind of disbanded as a group. You decided that you wanted to continue on with Who's Your Paranormal. And with our, you know, blessing, we gave that to you. Um, I don't know if you've done anything. Um, we've, uh, we can talk about some of our adventures that we've had, you know, some of our experiences. I've got a couple of things that kind of stand out. Yeah, yeah, let's, let, let's hear about it. That's uh, basically that's why I was getting ready to ask you, like what what kind of stands out over the years, you know, of all the different places and things that you've done. Uh, mm-hmm. What what kind of stands out when you think back? Well, there's a couple of things. <clears throat> um, we uh, we did an unofficial investigation at um, Crown Hill Cemetery in Indianapolis. Now, they don't. They don't allow, you know, paranormal groups to come in after dark. You know, the gates close at dusk, and they don't allow investigations. So what you have to do is you have to wait until there's a tour, like uh, um, especially in, in October. They'll have, like, weekend tours where they'll, they can take you through and point out, um, you know, famous people who are buried. There's a couple presidents, maybe, I think one president – uh, John Dillinger is buried there, but um, uh, what we did is we joined this tour, and as we as they were um, guiding us through the cemetery, 
um, we decided to kind of lag behind the group. There was maybe maybe 15, 20 people in the group. And so we lagged back a little bit to kind of let them go on ahead so that we could conduct an investigation. <laughs> um, and what had happened was uh, Robert and Kenny was behind me and Elisa, not Alicia, but Elisa. And uh, I was about 50 yards, me and, me and Elisa was about 50 yards ahead of Robert and Kenny. We were walking down the hill and it was dark, but there was just enough light where I could see a little ways in front of me. And just out of nowhere, I saw a pair of legs, just legs, waist down, running through the cemetery. And I told Elisa, I said, did you, did you see that? And she's like, no, I didn't see anything. I said, I just saw a pair of legs. You didn't see those legs running. And uh, she said, no, I didn't see it. And then we, we stopped to wait on Kenny and Robert to catch up with us. And whenever they caught up with us, Robert was like, you're not going to believe what I saw. And he goes, I saw a pair of legs. And so they, Robert saw the same thing that I saw, and we weren't even together. We were, like I said, about 50 yards apart from each other. Wow. So that was corroborating evidence, you know, yeah. that we both saw the same thing, um, but we weren't together. So, But that was the strangest thing is just to see a pair of legs, <laughs> no body. Now, listen, I got to ask you, if I don't, I'm going to kick myself later. Were the legs hairy legs? <laughs> <laughs> Actually, the, the the legs was wearing like um like a like a like a jogging suit. Oh, okay. Had, so it had it actually had article of clothing on. I, I got you. Yeah, and it had a, like a white stripe down the side, all the oh. way from like the top all the way down to the ankle. And oh. uh, yeah, it was like a it was like a jogger, like a deer. running through the cemetery. Yeah, but they just have a body. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> that's wild yeah that, that was that was pretty crazy and and uh to have corroborating evidence i mean we call it evidence there's we you know i can't prove it to you i don't, I don't have any video evidence of it right. but to have two different experiences of the same thing like that um so kind of solidified it for us But uh, Crown Hill Cemetery is a really neat place. Um, the uh, James Whitcomb Riley grave, it's at the highest point of the cemetery. And I, I can't remember if it was the same tour or a different tour. We did two or three. But we were up there at his grave site. And everybody was kind of gathered around the grave. We had our voice recorders going at the time. And there was a handful of people around, standing around. The tour guide was talking about him and what he had done for the community and whatnot. And it was dark. And um, after afterwards, we kind of was we going over the evidence, listening to the recording. And uh, we heard, we recorded um, children's voices. And there were no children with us on that tour. Wow. So that was kind of neat. Um, and James Whitcomb Riley, and 
was a he was a he loved children. He you know he started the Riley Hospital for children. You know he was a he was a big contributor to helping kids, and so it was. That's another thing that was cool, you know, was to hear these children's voices recorded around his grave. Wow. Yeah, that is interesting. And we still have all this evidence. My brother Kenny, he's, he saved all this evidence on his computer, so yeah. <laughs> maybe one of these days we'll dig it all back out. It may be even be on, um, on our Facebook page somewhere. I'm not sure. Yeah, there's definitely some. Um, there's some on there. Yeah. yeah, yeah, there's definitely some. And then, of course, um, whenever you guys were asked to come up to the new station in Indy there um, and do that do that recording and talk about Hoosier Paranormal, um, mm-hmm. that can be found on the Hoosier Paranormal Facebook page. Right. Yeah. So we've, we've done a lot of neat things. Um, uh, another... Another investigation we did that kind of stands out is at the uh, Pixie Theater in Edinburgh. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with it. It's a movie theater. It originally started out as a Masonic Lodge, and it was converted into a movie theater. And now it's back to, it's more of a gathering place. People can have, like, uh, weddings or um, wedding receptions and stuff there you can rent it out right and you and they and occasionally they'll show movies and stuff and they have bands playing it's been uh, renovated and restored it's a really cool place but um we investigated it uh we were upstairs in the main hall where the where the uh, masonic lodge area i guess you would call it and i was recording with the camcorder and I had the camera pointed at Robert and Kenny and there was a stationary camera over on the other end of the hall pointing toward Robert and Kenny and me and uh, and all of a sudden just out of nowhere something slapped Robert's glasses out of his hands and they went flying across the room he was just standing there, hang, you know, his arm was dangling down and he was kind of twiddling his glasses in his hand. And all of a sudden, with force, you could tell the glasses got knocked out of his hands, flew across the room at a, with an arch, you know, yeah. and landed about 20, 25 feet away. So, and he, it just, he said it just felt like something just came along and just smacked him out of his hand. Wow. So. You know, I don't know what you would call that type of a haunting. Would that be um, an intelligent haunt? I believe so. Someone, something didn't want us there to the point where it um, made its, you know, made us aware that it, that it, it, it didn't really want us there. Exactly, yeah. Um, but it was caught on video of it. You know happening so that can I'm not sure we can make that available we can probably post it but yeah now do you think as far as like them being able to do something physically like that is that like a limited thing that they can only do um you know 
like it takes energy, so much energy to do something like that. Yeah, I think so. I think it's a, it requires a certain amount of energy. I don't know where they draw their energy from, from the environment. Um, some people claim that they use the energy from, from our batteries. That's why sometimes our batteries drain quickly, you know. Mm-hmm. But I, I would think that it would take quite a bit of energy to do something like that. So I'm not sure if just drawing it from the environment is enough or, or do they actually have energy on their own? You know what I'm saying? Right. Right. I mean, that, that kind of goes back to, um, cause a lot of people that I talk to about paranormal investigating, um, I all, I always uh, mention my faith and I'm sure Mike can vouch for this with me, but, um, I always try to describe the paranormal from the scientific aspect, uh, you know, which is what we're trying to catch is the energy, you know, not necessarily that the dead is walking the earth, um, so to speak, but their energy, what happens to an individual's energy when they die? You know, of course, everyone has their own beliefs on this, you know, I'm not trying to push religion or anything on anyone. But in, in my personal opinion, you know, I believe that, you know, when, when the heart physically stops beating, the brain still has all of that energy that's stored up to send signals to the body to react. And that physical energy in the air are the things that the scientific evidence devices can pick up on. Um, and then I, I also believe that, you know, varying on the cause of death, you know, how death occurred and things like that is also going to influence the amount of energy that would be present to manipulate the surroundings. Right. Right. How do you feel about that? Well, I agree. Um, I think uh, some, well, some people believe that the type, the, the way the person died, if it was an unexpected death, um, you know, if they had uh maybe unfinished business or unfinished, um, you know, goals in life. And, and they've, they've been left, um, with that and they, and they linger to try to accomplish these goals or something like that. Or that might be the reason why they, why they stay behind or, um, I mean, there's a number of, number of explanations of why they, they linger but um i mean i i believe in god i believe in i believe that our soul is transformed into something other some other type of energy i don't know how or what what but i do believe in god um like you said i'm not trying to push that on anyone else everybody's entitled to their own beliefs but um i don't know i don't know why um I call them souls. I don't know why souls tend, some souls tend to linger behind instead of go on to the next plane. Right. Now, <clears throat> I had a question. Um, this is something I hear a lot listening to other people's podcasts and just over the years listening to different um, radio shows. What are your thoughts on pretty much all of the so-called contact and things like that being basically a demonic phenomenon that's that's um, kind of 
incognito or maybe pretending to be that person because it it's feeding on the emotion. Basically, yeah, the emotion mm -hmm. of what what took place and what people know that's factual, you know, because if somebody got murdered, then obviously we know that person got murdered there. And then, you know, it, it uses that. I've heard that several times being brought up by people. What are your thoughts on that? <clears throat> um, Alicia, you have any thoughts on that? <laughs> well, I mean, from, from a religious standpoint, yeah, I believe that Satan and his demons, or, I mean, they can manipulate things. And, I mean, certainly if they wanted to take on uh, the form of, a loved one um, to weaken you uh, to make you more susceptible um, I absolutely believe that that's possible um, is that kind of going along the lines of what you were getting at um, yeah because if a demonic spirit were to take on the form of some someone you knew you know obviously you're gonna have some kind of reaction there exactly rather than if it just showed itself for what it is you know people would be terrified but if it's if it feeds on the emotion, the sadness of someone who lost somebody or, you know, whatever the case may be, then it may be able to get a reaction from that person. Like, oh, I seen my brother or yeah. whatever, and then interact mm -hmm. with them. And they're basically interacting with the demon mm -hmm. that's in, you know, evil. in disguise. Right. You know, evil, evil does evil things, right? So right. if some, right. if, if a evil entity sees that someone is vulnerable in a vulnerable situation they may take advantage of them. um sure i can see that happening yeah yeah i just thought it was interesting i've heard that um like i said several different times um listening to different people and i just i just think it's interesting mm -hmm. and that can go i even i was listening to a guy the other day and he was even going as far as saying that people who see um, aliens encounters. He says that's demonic phenomenon. Um, you know, it just, it, it, it never ends. Once they, you know, go on that direction, it's kind of like they say everything is demonic. either good or bad. You know what yeah. I mean? Well, not, I mean, they say it's either an angelic experience or a demonic experience. Right. You know, so. Yeah. Well, some, some people think that, that every kind of, ghostly encounter is demonic because right. I mean that's just what some people believe but it's funny you mentioned aliens uh, me and my younger brother Kenny actually had a UFO encounter when we were kids oh yeah tell us about that was that did that take place in Columbus Greg or did you grow up somewhere else no we grew up in Edinburgh okay and and we were we were probably uh, 12, 13 years old. He's, he's like 14 months younger than me. And, uh, we were in the backyard and it was dark and we had my telescope in the backyard because we were kind of into, um, the planets and, and, you know, exploring the space and stuff. We, you know, I got a telescope for Christmas and we were in the backyard and, uh, we were, he was actually looking through the telescope and I was standing there beside him looking up in the sky and all of a sudden these three circular rings came traveling from the 
east heading west. They were traveling due west, and they were kind of like in a triangle formation. They were circles. They were kind of transparent, and they were wiggling. But they were really, really high up. And I said, Kenny. And he goes, I know, I see him. <laughs> and it's the weirdest thing. I know it's it's totally crazy, but they actually passed through the view of the telescope. He was looking through the telescope, and they passed through his, his view. I mean, that's just crazy that that, that that happened. That would even happen, the odds of that even happening. But it did. He was looking through the telescope, and I said, Kenny. He goes, I know, I see it. And we were watching them, and when they got pretty much directly above us, they each went off into in their own separate direction. One kept going forward, and one went off to the left, one went off the right, and really quick speed. I mean, just took off, and and then they were gone. Wow. So uh, when he was looking through the telescope, was he able to get like a a better uh, view of them, or? Well, I, I asked him, I said, what did they look like? And he just said it looked like just a light went through. Wow. You know, because they went through kind of, they went through this field of view quick. and But they it was enough for him to notice. And then, you know, but that was weird. I said, Kenny, look. And he said, I know what's it. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. But, you know, to, the, to this day, I don't know what they were. I mean, they were obviously they were UFOs, but. I can't explain them. Yeah, I mean, and that's exactly what it, it, it is, you know, unidentified. So, uh-huh. you know, just like the the unexplained, the, the paranormal. Um, a lot of people are very, very intrigued by it. But a lot of people, I also, um, I try to caution them as well. You know, it's not something I, I always just introduce myself and be like, oh, by the way, for fun, I like to go ghost hunting. <laughs> you know, a lot of people kind of look at you like you're crazy. Yeah. You know, I feel like you also have to have a certain level of respect and understanding before you go into anything like that. And, before you expose yourself too much. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And I don't actually, I remember when I drove up to Columbus and interviewed, um, to become a, a member of, of Who's Your Paranormal. I don't think you were there. I want to say it was um, Shannon and Ken. Mm-hmm. Kenny. Um, did they ever talk to you anything about how that interview went? or? Uh, they probably did. Um, we probably had a meeting and, and discussed uh, the interviews and, and potential members. Um, and we obviously thought you were a good candidate because we you know we invited you to join yeah yeah thank you thank you very much by the way but yeah um i just recall that during that interview there were there were two things i told them i had two rules number one i will not touch a ouija board and number two if there's any kind of hint that their family might think that they have a demonic (coughs) presence i do not want to be a part of it and i said as long as those two things are not a problem we will get along just fine and Obviously, they agreed, and, and I still have that, that same stance on, on that. Um, but now, in, in more recent times, I've seen a lot of stuff surrounding Ouija boards. What are, mm-hmm. what are your thoughts on that? Uh, well, you know, uh, I can see how 
I can see how that could open up a doorway, you know, unintentionally. You know, um, most people think, well, it's just a game. You know, Milton Bradley put it out. It's, it's harmless. It's just a board game. But um, I, I think you could probably, I think you could probably do the same thing with without it. You know, as long as you're, as long as you're doing sort of a seance type of a setting. I think you're inviting, you know, you're you're inviting something that you probably shouldn't be. Um, the Ouija board is just a uh, material material thing. I don't know I necessarily think that it's um, that it has to be that. You know, what I'm saying. Right. But um, I, I know a lot of people, you know, steer clear of them. That, you know. They're taboo. You don't want to mess with a Ouija board, but uh, I, I think you could probably do the same thing by just sitting around a table, holding hands with candles and whatnot. You know, you can conjure up. I think anything. <laughs> yeah. If something is willing to uh, to uh, you know come through, all they, they all they need is to be invited. You know. And I've heard people say that uh, a Ouija board is. Yeah, they've turned it into a game, but that it's like you said, it's just absolutely not a game. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, I don't know, I don't mess with them, but, um, I've heard stories. I've heard stories about people. I even had when I was in school, a guy told me that they they tried to like burn one one time and it wouldn't burn. Yeah. Really. And that was, I mean, we were kids. Who knows if that was true or not? But I've heard stories of. People using them, and, and all of a sudden, weird things start happening in their house, and they uh, can't get rid of, you know, bad luck, you know, whatnot. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. I, uh, I don't even, don't even entertain that idea. I know when I was a kid, I was at a friend's house. I was probably in, I think I was in third grade, and uh, the, a girl was having a birthday party, and we went. And she pulled a Ouija board out. I didn't even know what it was. I was like, what's that? She's like, oh, it's this game. And, you know, everybody's kind of messing with it and playing with it. And I'm just like, even as a young kid, I was like, this doesn't Doesn't feel feel right. It doesn't feel right, yeah. So once I found out what it was, I mean, like I said, never messed with it again. But years later, I was like, oh, man, that's what that was. I didn't have any idea, you know, as a kid. But, yeah, it's, it's messed up that they've turned into... Think how many millions of those have sold, probably. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. The only scary part is, is you know, when people do think of it as just a game, because it's it's not. I mean, dealing with the paranormal, it it in the beginning, yeah, it it's an adrenaline rush. It's fun, um, but there is a lot of seriousness to it as well. Especially when doing an investigation, you know, especially when, you know, you have a family that is in need and has reached out to you. Um, do you have any of those particular cases, Greg, that, that really stand out in your memory of being able to really help a family with some closure? Yes, I sure do. Um, we, uh, we were contacted by a lady who lives in, uh, I'm trying to think of the name of this town. It's in between Columbus and North Vernon. Um, I think it's uh, it's just on the other side of Scipio. Can't remember. It's just a little bitty, just a Hayden. 
wide spot in a row. And that Hayton's over on fifty. This is on seven. This is on seven. But she caught. He contacted us. Um, she uh, she felt like that her husband was still lingering around. Um, I can't remember. I can't remember what she said was going on. I can't remember too much detail about what she said was happening, but um, we went over to her house and conducted an investigation and we, we set up all of our equipment and everything was running, recording in the house. And we decided to go out into his workshop. I think he was a carpenter or he did some woodworking. So we, we all went out there, left the house empty, and we were we were out there maybe a half hour kind of investigating a little bit. Came then we came back in and eventually we wrapped things up. And starting to go over the evidence we captured someone whistling, whistling a tune. And um, we took the evidence back over to her and let her listen to it. And she said, she said that was her husband whistling. She said that he would do that whenever he was working on a project, whenever he was building something in his workshop or tinkering around the house, he would always whistle. And she was convinced that that's, that was her husband. And, um, she, it, it, uh, it comforted her, comforted her to, to know that he was still there and watching over her and, and was still tinkering around the house. Yeah. Do you, do you know what song it was? No, I don't know. <laughs> It, it was it was kind of like a repeating, um, just a three or four note whistle, you know. Oh. And, uh, now I yeah. I would probably classify that more of like a residual type haunting. I would agree. Yes. Yeah. It was uh, something that was maybe just recorded uh, in time that was just repeated repeating itself on a, in a loop. And, um, but um, as far as she was concerned, um, she thought he was there and, and um, looking after her, looking after the house and still tinkering around the house. Yeah. Yeah, that is amazing. Mm-hmm. But uh, that was, you know, one of those unique uh, uh, pieces of evidence. I mean, Sometimes you'll capture a voice, a one word, uh, say something, but um, uh, a whistle. That we was pretty proud of that to capture that. Oh yeah, definitely. I bet. And that's another thing. I mean, evidence review from doing an investigation. I had no idea what was involved. No. Yeah. Absolutely not. Yeah, it's very time-consuming and tedious and, and yeah. lots of times boring to go over hours and hours worth of evidence because you're not just dealing with one voice recorder, but everything, you know, every recorder that's been placed in the house and every piece of um, video, it all has to be covered. Right. What's where and 
who has it and when and yes. Yeah. <clears throat> a lot. And, and we made sure we had plenty of coverage, so <clears throat> there could have been, you know, and you know, it's not unheard of that there could have been 60, 70 hours worth of, uh, you know, audio, Easy. video, everything combined that, that had to be reviewed. Yeah. Yeah, and the thing with, with that type of, um, you know, footage and, and it's sounds, I guess you call it, is you can't really just skip through anything, right. you know, because you may, you may miss that one little section that you pick something up. Exactly. So what kind yeah. of uh, what kind of equipment were you um, using? Well, we used um, digital voice recorders, um, and we used um, uh, digital video cameras, uh, camcorders, and uh, the, you know we made we made sure that the coverage. Um, Everything was backed up. So, in other words, if there was an audio uh, digital voice recorder, say, setting on a table, we would make sure that there was a video camera pointing in the direction of the audio recorder. So, if something was captured on the voice recorder, we could, we could uh, timestamp the uh, camcorder to that point to see if someone was in the room or or what, you know what I'm saying, to right, right. <laughs> debunk anything that might have just been a contamination. Right. And the cool thing with using digital stuff, I don't know, like back in the day we used to use uh, cassette tapes, and then you'd have people saying, oh, it's just bleed over from the other side, or something, yeah. you know, I mean, with the digital thing, that kind of crosses all that out. It does, yes. I, I've got tapes somewhere. Yeah, with I've all heard kinds stories of, you, you, about yeah. these, yeah. I, I have no idea where they're at. I've, I'm kind of a hoarder, so I have stuff everywhere, but it would be, it'd be awesome to find those again. But, like I said, people would always say, oh, you had something, it's it's just, uh, you know, a mistake. or. A, yeah, I've heard that too, the bleed-over story about the analog tape. Right. Mm-hmm. And I suppose it's possible. So, Greg, let's ask you, what's your um, favorite piece of equipment to use? Well, if if I was to recommend a, a person that's new to the, the field um, of investigating, I would say a, a digital voice recorder is a must. Yes. No. Doesn't hurt to have multiple recorders, but if, if, you know, if that's all you can afford, then I would say that is uh, the most important piece. Yeah, remember that black little cushioned case uh, that we had there? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it, it's actually sitting here in the room with us right now. Um, okay. <laughs> and I brought with me, because I, I talked on the podcast the other night, I mentioned the Mel meter. Um, and of course, remember, I had no, I clue, no clue or idea what this was. Right. Um, but this is a Mel meter. Uh, looks pretty basic. Um. And correct me if I'm wrong here, but the, the neat thing about the Mel meter is it can simultaneously record uh, EMF readings and changes in the temperature around you. 
correct? Yes, I think the one that you're referring to will do that, yes. Yes. Yeah, and that, um, that to me, I, I just love because I feel like at, at one time I have two pieces of live evidence in front of me that, you know, something is, something is, um, what's the word I'm looking for here? Like interrupting the environment around me. Disturbing. Yeah. 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 And, and anytime that you can get multiple, um, documentation of an event, all that does is it just, um, um, you know, solidifies what's what's happening. You know, if you if you've got a mail meter and a digital voice recorder side by side, and you've got the mail meter recording a, a disturbance in electromagnetism at the same time that you capture a voice, it's just corroborating evidence. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I, I would I would suggest having as many pieces of equipment as possible but especially a, a digital voice recorder. That's my opinion. Right. It, it seems like it's easier to capture audio than anything else. I don't know why. And and it may you may not be able to hear it live when it happens. Sometimes you can. But most of the time, it's, it's very faint, and um, you hear it back when you're reviewing your evidence. Is that because you think it's easier to maybe for them to be on the device rather than to be loud enough to where or maybe it's just a different frequency altogether but it's it's like easier for them to be picked up with the device than maybe that's what takes the least amount of energy to right, communicate than to be audibly you know heard yeah yeah I'm, I'm with uh, Alicia there I think it that is the easiest form uh, of communication that they have uh, a manifestation, a physical manifestation, I think requires a lot of energy. Um, that I think that's really rare to happen. Um, but I think uh, them communicating audibly is probably their easiest way of communication. Now, an- another another um, way of um, of them manipulating a, an environment and this is a this is kind of a, a a topic that's really debated is is orbs some people yeah. just totally dis, disbelieve orbs and some people you know put everything on them but um i think an actual true orb is very rare um i think they do happen but to actually witness one i think is extremely rare and I'm not exactly sure what they are, but do you um, think that kind of goes along the same lines as with rods? I've I've captured several rods before. Have you? Yes. I, I think the rods are a whole another spec. I mean, those maybe things, that's a fairy. Those things are, are insane. <laughs> I, I've watched a lot of footage on that. That's insanity. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Those uh, I, I've. Uh, I've seen those two, um, and I've seen people debunk them, saying that they're bugs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, some people really think that they're they're the real deal, you know. So it's it's another one of those things that you you really just can't 
just can't know for sure, I suppose. Yeah, it's, it's just... like uh, shadow people. You know, people have talked about shadow people, and there are there there is some video evidence. You know that people have captured shadow people before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Dark mists. You know, I've had a couple of people tell me that they've seen a dark cloud, dark mist before, and I'm not sure what you would call that. Is that shadow people? Is that uh, manif- manifestation? Or I, I really don't know what you would classify that as. Right. Yeah, I agree. I heard um, a guy was on a podcast uh, called The Confessionals Podcast, and he was talking about he was in the military, and uh, he was somewhere overseas. They were doing a mission, and that's a whole the whole thing he was telling about what happened. But anyway, during one part of that, he were, him and um, I think there was four of them were stationed like at the end of the the group and there was like some civilians in the middle and then there was like four other guys on the opposite end and they were taking turns like uh, keeping watch during the night and because that morning they were they were leaving well I guess one of the guys had started talking to them in their earpiece and was saying hey there's movement in the woods well apparently he starts looking he can't see anything so then he flips his night vision on and he can't see anything well then he flips to the FLIR which is the, um, what is it, the forward, um, forward infrared, I can't remember what it stands for, it's infrared, I'm pretty sure, and Uh he was able to see, like, 20 different creatures in the woods, and they all had to switch to their FLIR imaging, and was able to see these things, and he could tell that they were black, and they had, their eyes were kind of an orange, Uh and he said there was about 20 of them. And I guess it kind of freaked them all out, you know. I would imagine. The things never did make contact with them. They were watching. He said it was like a couple hundred yards away. Hmm. But that's interesting to me that he was only able, they were only able to see him with the FLIR imaging instead of with the naked eye or even night vision. Yeah. That captures the heat. I guess the heat of whatever it is that's, uh, that's there. If, it, if it's emitting any kind of a, a, a heat source, then that camera picks it up. And basically, he I remember him describing, like, if you look through a one of those sites and you, you're looking at a car or anything, he's like, you can see everything. Like, you can see that there's... He, he, he described it as being not fair, like in a battle situation, because he's like, if you've got one of those, you can basically see everybody, like where they're at. So he's like, we could see these things, you know, hmm. but they were kind of like he described them as a black shadowy thing, like you were talking about shadow people, but he did say that you could see the orange eyes. Huh. It's interesting. Yeah, I would have been high telling it out, out of there. Out of there. <laughs> yeah, I think I would have too. Yeah. Yeah. Have, have you guys seen the, uh, the, the, video footage of the Gettysburg battlefield um, soldiers uh, marching through the woods I don't think so I'm not sure if I have or not I I may have came across it at some point in time but it's a uh, it's really to me it's one of the most interesting pieces of video evidence that I think I have ever seen it's uh, someone uh, 
recording. It's at night. Uh, they've got, I don't even know if it's a, a special, you know, infrared camera or anything, but it, it shows a like a couple, maybe three Civil War era dressed soldiers kind of marching through the woods. And, it, and it's almost like it's a loop. It just keeps looping itself. I'm sure. I'm sure it's on YouTube. You could probably find it pretty easily. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. I'd have to look it up on there for sure. That'd be crazy. Mm-hmm. I have to trade that search for it on here. I've got such a bad internet connection. <laughs> we keep getting kicked off, and yeah, the live video is kicked off uh, three times now. So, but we're we, we're still going with the podcast anyway. That's good. Just keep her rolling. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Mike, have you had any experiences yourself uh, that you'd like to talk about? Man, I've had a, I've had a ton of stuff happen. Um, I I was trying to think when while you were talking about something, but to talk about, but uh, you reminded me, which I discussed it on one of my other episodes about the when you mentioned the orbs. Um, one of the things I've seen, it, I, I don't know whether to call it a UFO. I mean, I guess it's a UFO because it's, you know, in definition, it was unidentified flying object. But it kind of, it looked like an orb. It looked like a Christmas tree bulb, kind of like um, with a red tint, but you could see through it. Mm-hmm. But the only difference was, like, when you see those in people's videos, this thing was huge. Like, it was probably the size of a, a house. Wow. It was gigantic, and it was in the sky. So, um, yeah, and the interesting thing, I, I seen it, my wife seen it, and a buddy of mine, he was with us, and he didn't see it, but he knew, you know, that something had went down. So, because we were in a boat, and we were going across the lake, we were going camping. And just so happened, me and her were facing towards the back of the boat, and he was driving, so he was facing the other way. And we seen it, we're like, whoa, you know, what was that? And, and he turned around looking, and he, he, he missed it, you know. But the interesting thing was, years later, I got a job at um, a factory here in town. And I was talking to a guy that worked there. And we worked like a position where you're kind of, you're with that person all night. So you don't do anything but sit and talk to each other. Yeah. So... Sooner or later, I mean, we start talking about all this crazy stuff, and, and he's telling me stories, and he's like, yeah, one time I was out um, Elk Creek, and that's where I seen it at, was out Elk Creek. And he goes, me and some buddies, he's like, we seen this ball, like, come through the air up real high, and he started describing it to me, and as he's telling me, like, I'm I'm getting all excited, you know, and and actually what he 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 described it to me first before he told me where it was at and i was like where'd you see that at he was like oh out at elk creek and i was like what because i mean that's exactly where i seen mine at but he was like dude yeah i was like let me tell you about it so of course you know i had to tell him and it was just insane that that it that it happened out there but yeah i'd describe it as an orb but like i said it was it was huge that's it, crazy. It kind of bounced, like, we're out on the lake, so it was a big open. You could see the whole sky. Uh-huh. And it came from, like, the Salem area, and it made, like, I would describe it like two upside-down U's, like like an M with, like, a curvature M, like that. Uh-huh. And then 
once it got like this second time, it kind of stopped and it just shot off like so fast, just boom, just like a flash. Wow. Yeah. And was just gone. And needless to say, I mean, I was up all night thinking about that. Like, what was that? You know. Right. Just kind of just replaying it in your mind, trying to rationalize it, and right. you can't. No, I had no idea. I, everything I thought of, it just, it wasn't, it couldn't have been it. Alicia, have you ever had any kind of UFO experience? Honestly, no. I, I can't say that I have at all. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I like to look up at the clouds and think that, you know, there's teddy bears and stuff up there. <laughs> but as far as anything actually moving and lighting up across the sky, no. I haven't. Yeah. Do I believe um, in the possibility of uh, extraterrestrials? Um, absolutely. I've always said that I didn't I didn't see why my God would take the time to create the universe that he has in its vastness and only put life form in one spot. Um, I don't believe that we necessarily have the technology to be able to confirm or deny that. But I do believe in the possibility that it's out there. Yeah. Out of out of all of the categories of paranormal, you know, you got Bigfoot, UFOs, uh, ghosts, the Loch Ness. Out of all of these, which do you think is the most likely to be real? Yeah. Who's gonna answer first, me or Mikey, on this? Side? <laughs> <laughs> I. I'll just say this, I, I don't, I'm still on the fence about whether or not they're all connected. All connected? Yeah, I can see that, I suppose. Because Some people think they are. Have you heard the you know reports of UFOs in the same time, Bigfoot sightings and other activities, other activities going yeah, on yeah, at the same up. time? So, I mean, yeah. It's, yeah. Like these recent sightings of um, the Mothman mm-hmm. right after uh, UFO sightings. Right, that's why I'm saying, like, I'm, I really don't know, because I'm kind of, are they all connected, or is it, you know? Yeah. yeah. I mean, if I would have to, if I would have to separate them, and just uh, each on their own as each, you know, a, a standing different paranormal activity, I would put aliens first, uh, ghosts second, um, Bigfoot third and Loch Ness fourth. That'd be my list. Yeah. Poor old, poor old Loch Ness. Poor old Nessie. Yeah. Doesn't get no yeah. respect, does she? No, no, no. respect. <laughs> but you know, the thing about Bigfoot is, um, if if let's just say that Bigfoot is real, it has to be one of the most intelligent beings to, to beings. But yeah, and and just think, even to the point of, we've never found any bones. We've never found any body, right. so they're, they 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 would have to be disposing of their own dead. Yes, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So I mean, that's. And you know, that's that's not something that is unfathomable because, I mean, just watching a, a cooking show with my husband the other day about um, a butcher over in uh, it was another country um, like Sicily or something. But they, you know, all the nice cuts of meat went to the customer. And then everything else they used 100% to respect the animal. They used it 100%. And that's one of the things that have been said, too, in theory about Bigfoot. Um, You know, there may only be like three or four of them. But, like, that is 
like one of their things. Like they, they are sure to repurpose, reuse somehow everything whenever one of them passes. You know, yeah. Passes. Yeah. So. Or if they bury, if they bury their loved ones, that's intelligence. Right. You know? That's that's yeah. that's intelligence, and it's it's almost a sense of um, morality. Um, kind of, you know, like a human, but before I forget, if I don't mention this, what do you think about Bigfoot being, um, basically interdimensional? Because I've heard people say that they've seen big, they, you know, oh, I'm, there's a Sasquatch and then it just poof, disappears. Interdimensional. Like it basically stepped through a portal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I've heard, um, other people say, well, we were out hunting and there was a field there was obviously nowhere for anything to come out of and then all of a sudden there's something yeah and then it takes so many steps and then it's gone yeah so i mean that's that's wild too i mean i don't know but i mean some people believe that there are um several dimensions that are only separated by a very thin membrane um and sometimes something kind of passes through this membrane for a split second right right and that's what they're saying like it was almost like it it was walking with purpose and it wasn't supposed to be where it where it was was. yeah right and and or other times they say it didn't even know i was there like it walked Mm -hmm. right by me and didn't know i was there yeah so i mean i don't know it's it's messed up i've never seen anything like that but i've definitely heard sounds i I spent a lot of times uh, a lot of time in the woods um not so much lately. I used to be a real avid hunter, but and we'd go hunting at night, and we'd go out and just, you know, especially if you're coyote hunting, because when you're coon hunting, you have your dogs barking and everything. It's kind of yeah. hard to hear anything. Yeah, they but, run them up a tree and yeah. Right, and we've been coyote hunting before, and like went and set up, and like before we started calling, which he used like a mouth call or an electronic call. We just kind of sat there and just what we call like let the woods die down. You know, like if we'd walked in, mm-hmm. made a bunch of noise, we'd sit and be quiet for a while. And uh, we've actually done that and heard some really, really, really weird vocalizations. Yeah. I mean, and I've spent enough time in the woods to know that's an owl or that's a coyote or, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. But whatever, I mean, we've heard some things that's wasn't any one of those. Right. Still to this day, I don't know what it was, but um, yeah, just stuff like that. I mean, it's it's crazy. You get if you spend enough time, like like she was talking, looking up at the sky. You know, you're probably gonna see something. If you spend enough time out in the woods, you're probably gonna hear something or see something. Or but if you're if you're spending that much time in the woods, then you get familiar with sounds and you can recognize yeah. and you know what. Right. sound or what what makes these sounds but if you hear something that's totally out of place yeah yeah because um, we've, we've taken people in the woods that like they're on their first time and they were just freaked out by everything every little thing you're know, like what's that what is that what is that <laughs> the woodpecker <laughs> yeah <laughs> but yeah it's it's pretty messed up and even now I, when I talk back about that with the people that's with me like man what was that what was that sound? I don't know. I don't even want to talk about it. <laughs> yeah, before we lose battery here on going live, of course, the, the podcast will still be recording. But as far as going Facebook Live, Liz has mentioned uh, 
the chupacabra, and then of course we've talked about the Mothman a few times here lately, but uh, chupacabra has always been one for me too. Um, and I, I don't, I don't know. I, I've seen some shows where they have supposedly found a carcass of the chupacabra, um, you know, a hairless, unidentified dog-like creature. Um, what do you guys think about the chupacabra? Do you think it's real? I mean, you think, obviously, I, you know, I, I believe in a world of, of limitless possibility, so I'm going to say yes, it's possible, but do you think it's real? Um, I think it's, it's definitely real. I think people are having real occurrence, like stuff's happening, but as to what it is, because maybe it's, um, maybe it is a species of something that we don't know, like, yeah. or it could be a diseased animal, because some of the some of the reports are kind of really far out there, mm -hmm. and then some of them are not, are kind of more like it could be anything, like that could have right. been a wild dog, but some of the stuff they say is like, okay, that's definitely not a dog, but. I think it kind of borders, it's kind of like, you know, once a story, you re retell it over and over in your head, things get out of proportion sometimes, like, exaggerated it, a little, like it went from being yeah. two feet tall to now it's like six feet yeah. tall, and you know, like that one time you caught that fish that was this big, yeah, and yeah. then the next time you tell it, it's that big, and then, <laughs> right, exactly, yeah, but I definitely think these people are experiencing something, I mean, something's going on, yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think there's something happening to these, um, like their pets, cattle, whatnot. Um, and it could be just like you said, a, a simple coyote that's got the mange or, or diseased in some way. Right. Uh, and they, you know, automatically say chupacabra. But, mm -hmm. um, but I suppose it's possible. I've, I think they have actually discovered um, remains of of a chupacabra, right? Haven't, well, yeah, haven't they? I mean, they, they tested the, the DNA of the animal, and it couldn't be linked to anything scientifically documented. Um, and it also, a lot of times in, in areas surrounding sightings of animals described of chupacabra-like, um, they have the telltale, you know, cattle and livestock being found of, like, drained of blood or internal organs and things like that you know not like a uh, like a pack of coyotes would destroy right. and maim an animal it, it wasn't that situation it was completely different mm -hmm. so i mean i think with a few of those things combined <laughs> together i mean i believe that they have to be out there they just you know there's not very many you know maybe almost extinct and there's only very few sightings and it's not documented because we haven't found a whole pack yet that was actually living, I suppose. I, mm -hmm. I don't know. I mean, it would have to be. With, with the DNA samples there, I mean, it's, it's really hard to argue. When you have scientific evidence right there in front of you, it's hard to say that, you know, no, that's just your eyes making, making things up and, you know, your imagination playing with you. I, right. You know, that's just my opinion. But. Well, and like you said, with, the, like, the cattle mutilations and stuff that's happened, I've read like surgical precision and no, like I said, all blood was drained. Mm -hmm. and, um, I've actually walked up on, a matter of fact, one night we were coon hunting and we, we got out of the truck and apparently we had stumbled on a pack of coyotes that were feeding on, it looked like they, it was a baby cat, it was a calf, baby cow, 
I don't know where it had came from, but it was right on the edge of the woods, and you could tell like they had been just destroying this thing. Yeah. And you can obviously see, like, okay, that was a pack of coyotes, because, I mean, they just rip into it. Right. And you hear these sightings, or these reports of people saying, well, the all the blood was drained, and, you know, it, it's, it's not like a typical animal attack. It's something different. Yeah. Yeah, and yes. back to things like Later. UFOs and stuff like that, you know, like hieroglyphics that are showing these things, you know, thousands and thousands of years ago of things that came from the sky when supposedly man just took flight, you know, century ago. So, Right, and even the ones that look like a modern-day helicopter, and mm-hmm. it, it's insane. I've seen those before. Um, I mean, yeah, they could, they could just be imaginative with their artwork but then again i mean it just comes up in so many different areas of the world the exact same type of drawings yeah how do you explain that and and that that goes on to um it's like in the in the bible um enoch the the guy that was like walked with god and then it says god took him well he basically was like i guess transfigured or whatever but there's there's reports of a language that's called Enochian language yeah. that mm-hmm. I guess stems from that. That's supposed to be like this whole this really 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 super rare powerful language that's you know it can be used for angelic purposes, demonic purposes, whatever. But they found that on like stuff related to UFOs, like they mm-hmm. found. This Scrubs. language, yeah, right. and they, they yeah. say it's Enochian language. And, I mean, it goes back, it's ancient. I mean, it's just, when you start thinking about that, like, all these ancient civilizations and stuff, I mean, even today people are finding things with that language. They found mm-hmm. computers with Enochian language in it. I mean, it's, I don't know, it's just mind-blowing, man, yeah. when you start thinking about all that. Very crazy stuff. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely, definitely interesting for sure. It is just interesting. Well, I think we're about to wrap up on an hour here, Greg. Um, unless you have anything else you want to add, or Mikey. Uh-huh. I, just, I appreciate you guys coming on. Uh, appreciate Greg talking to us, telling us all this interesting stories. And sure, it's my pleasure. I enjoyed it. Oh yeah, thanks a lot, Greg. Yeah, we'll have to do it again sometime. Definitely. Uh, maybe next time we'll do an in person and we'll we'll just have people call in with questions or something. Yeah, <laughs> sounds good to me. <laughs> All right, Greg. Well, you guys have a good night. All right, you too.